0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Some members of our congregation are so exuberant. They're the extroverts, and I love being around them. Some of the time. Then there are other members of our congregation who are the introverts. And I love being around them. Some of the time. And then there are those of us who flow back and forth between the two and I love being around you all too. Some of the time. And I think some of you like being around me. Some of the time. And I think of the wonderful extroverts and how they're good at partying. They're good at celebrating. But you can guess that I fall into the introvert category because for 30 years, I partied one day a year. It was Christmas, and all my family came to my home one day a year for a very big party and great food. And so when it comes to celebrating, I have to be reminded to do that. Because I would probably miss almost every uh, holiday on the calendar because it just doesn't come up. If I'm reading a book, I'm good. So this Sunday, it's a cause for celebration. And I wanna make sure that we celebrate. It's a day that we celebrate men. It's a day we celebrate fathers. It's the day that we can Celebrate in anticipation of tomorrow, freedom. It's a day of celebration and if this is a sermon that's not too heavy hitting and lets root out sin and live for God in a more intentional way, it seems a bit lighter. It's because every once in a while, as your rector, I get to preach a lighter sermon. And you get to kind of sit back and go like, Okay, she's still gonna challenge me to live for God in a more deeply and intentional way, but it might not be so hard this week. This Sunday, their Old Testament lesson features Abraham and Sarah. Sarah, who said she didn't laugh, but she did. I'm sure she was celebrating on the inside. And the New Testament lesson, Jesus is calling the 12 apostles, and I think they started out by celebrating when Jesus said, you'll be able to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, that sounds really great. The end part doesn't sound so much fun. So as we celebrate men, I don't want anybody to get all riled up about the damage that the patriarchy has done to both men and women, and before we get trapped in the misuse of Scripture by some of our deeply beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, who weaponize text to ensure that the gifts that God has implanted in about half of the population never come to fruition. Let's just take a collective deep breath and simply appreciate the gifts of God in our men, and our fathers, in our brothers, and those who fill fatherly roles in the lives of others. There is much work to be done for the flourishing of all. The battle is real, it is constant, but even soldiers get R and R. A moment to rest and relax, a moment to rejoice, a moment of respite. So let's step into that this morning. In the Old Testament text, Abraham is sitting at the door of the tent by the oaks of Mamre and three men are standing there suddenly as he looks up. Have you ever been just minding your own business and suddenly somebody stands right in front of you? Somebody accused me of that the other day. I was just standing there. They didn't happen to be looking. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. But imagine Abraham's surprise when he's in the Oaks of Mamre out in the wilderness in this little place of respite. When he looks up and three men are standing in front of him, he heard no camels coming, no sound of shifting sand, but his first inclination is to bow down and honor them. He offers them water to drink water to wash their feet as a gesture of hospitality and bread. And then he rallies the troops. He goes to Sarah and he says, hey, make some bread. Now, if you've ever made bread on command, it's a little hard to do. Takes a bit of time, but somehow she did it, so it was probably a flat bread. And then he goes to his servants and he selects a calf, a tender and good calf. And he says, prepare this for our guests. Now, he then serves the calf with curds and milk, kind of like a white gravy, I suppose. Now, this was pre-Mosaic law, so they could have milk and dairy, but after Moses, not so much. Abraham waits as they eat. He doesn't eat with them. And as they finish this wonderful gesture of hospitality, they tell Abraham something he's been waiting to hear his whole life. And so has Sarah. You two are going to have a son. Now, we kind of cracked up in the middle of it because it's like uh, Sarah says, uh, we're going to have pleasure in our old age. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. You can figure that out for yourself. But I do offer you this. As a barren woman, she had a lot of sorrow that she carried. And now she's going to have a son. She's not going to feel that societal disgrace that she wore for so many years. Suddenly, three men bring her hope. She hears this and laughs, and according to some scholars, the name Isaac means laughter. So every time she looked at this little boy, it was like, (laughs) do you remember that day when we were at the tent and these guys came and they said, after we fed them quite well and I had to make them bread, we're gonna have a son, it's you. I laughed that day, I said I didn't, but I was just scared. And so she has a reminder of that day of joy every time she sees Isaac. And God says, is there anything too hard for me to do? Is there anything too wonderful for God to do? In this moment, I want us to think about the things that are difficult for us, things that maybe society have said we can't do. Things of, and expectations that have been laid upon us. Is anything too wonderful for God? Is anything too difficult for God to do? Isaac, it might be something just to laugh at, like mm, there is no way a Southern California is gonna end up in Indiana. <laughs> That's crazy. Is anything too hard for God? There's no way that over a hundred, for over 100 years, all saints, without much endowment at all is going to survive. Is anything too hard for God? Here we are. Is there any way that two men who love each other will ever be able to marry? Is anything too hard for God? Here we are. In the New Testament, Jesus calls 12 men. First he says to all his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then he calls twelve men imperfect men, entrusted them with the good news. It's really important to remember that these men were not perfect. Peter always figured out a way, no matter what the situation, through his own gymnastics was able to place his foot in his mouth time and time again. Andrew had a bit of faith and brought bread and fish to Jesus But then he didn't know what to do next. Matthew, the tax collector, at the end was wondering kind of how do I hold on to money? Judas betrayed him. Imperfect men. And we'll find among us men who are also imperfect. As the saying goes, I'm right 97% of the time. Who cares about the other 4%? imperfect yet trusted to do the work of god worthy of honor for the work of god that they are able to do according to the encyclopedia britannica the nation's first father's day was celebrated on june 19th in 1910 in the state of washington however it wasn't until 1972 when nixon was president that it became an official holiday it was based on mother's day and from the sermon of Several weeks ago, we may remember that Mother's Day had its origin in peace and reconciliation campaigns in the post-Civil War era. During the 1860s, at the urging of activist Ann Reeves Jarvis in one West Virginia town that was divided, they celebrated together the Mothers of Confederate and Union soldiers. In 1920 and 1930, the movement for a Parents' Day arose. Instead of having a a Mother's Day and a Father's Day, they said, let's have a Parents' Day. But then the Great Depression derailed those efforts, and then World War II began, and they decided, no, we needed a Father's Day as a way to honor the American troops and support the war effort. June 19th, 1910 harbors back to June 19th, 1865, Juneteenth, the day when Granger rolled into Texas and finally said, slavery is abolished. 18 months after the Emancipation Proclamation of September 22nd, 1862, a proclamation that was designed and only applied to Confederate states where Lincoln had no authority and two Union states, Delaware and Kentucky, waited almost six more months after Juneteenth to finally free their slaves. Free they finally were, mostly through their own work, men and women who fought bravely to become free. Eighteen men, Abraham and the four men, The 12 disciples, Lincoln and Granger, 18 men who changed the destiny of the world. Imperfect men, but men who had something to offer, men whose lives can inspire us. We celebrate the good that men do today. We celebrate the way you work hard. We celebrate your sacrifice. We celebrate that you've been entrusted with the good news along with all the rest of us, this is a day of celebration.